This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Before we uh, start the message, I want to do something. It is Labor Day, and I, I want to pray for people who need jobs. And so I, I, won't, I won't have you stand. I know there's people online. I know there's people in here. But uh, for people who need jobs, so if that's you, and uh, join with us. If, if, if you don't need a job and you have a good job, good time to say, Lord, thank you that, that I have a, a good job. Let's take a moment and pray for those of us who need one. Father, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for your help. And we, Father, we ask you to open doors that no one can shut, that you give guidance, that you give wisdom. And Father, for your children, your people that need jobs, we ask that you would provide jobs, good jobs, and that you would give them the wisdom and understanding as to how to get where they need to be. Father, grant them favor on interviews, Grant them promotions, Father, where they are. We thank you that you have preserved many jobs, and we appreciate that. We give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We've been doing a series called Back to the Future, which is not based on the movie. It is actually a thought of, of looking at our future. I've always been fascinated with our vision of the future because how we see the future really determines a lot how we deal with the present. And when we're dealing with present challenges, present, present challenges and difficulties, how we view the future really talks a lot about how we're going to be able to deal with those things going forward. So I want to talk about that today. And, you know, and I'm, I'm going to talk about vision. So I'm going to talk about a, a vision for the future. Now, if you're like, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to hear the vision stuff, I need you to stay with me. Don't, don't change the channel. If you're here, you can't, but you, I know you can tune me out. But... Don't, don't, don't go away from that because I, I want to give you some just very practical ideas as to if you don't feel like you have a vision for the future that you can have one. And how you have a vision for the future is important. There was, there's a story, I've, I've used it for years. The first time I found it, it really resonated with me. And I think it's, it's a, a very val valuable <laughs> principle. And it's called the Stockdale Paradox. Now, I've, I've talked about this before. Admiral James Stockdale was a, uh, there's a, there's a picture of him. He was the highest ranking officer in the, what they call the Hanoi Hilton during the Vietnam conflict. He was the highest ranking prisoner in their POW uh, camp. And he was, he was a prisoner of war for seven years. And, you know, we've been dealing with something for about how many months now? About seven or eight months. He was a prisoner of war for seven years and came out of it. And I've always been, how in the world do you come out of something like that? And so they asked him about it. And Jim, Jim Collins, who wrote the book Good to Great, asked him about, did an interview with him and said, how did you deal with that? He said, well, there, there were two things. And this is called the Stockdale Paradox. He said, you have to balance the, the discipline of being able to face the facts, hard facts. He said, you, 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 you can't sugarcoat them. You've got to be able to face the hard facts. He said, a lot of the guys that didn't make it were the guys that kept saying, hey, we'll be out by Christmas, or we'll be out by Easter, or we'll be out by Thanksgiving, and those dates would come and go, he said, and it would just break their hearts. So he said, so you have to be able to balance facing the facts, hard facts, with the faith that you will prevail in the end that you will be able to come through. And that's why it's a paradox. You're looking at reality, but then you have the faith that you're going to come through it. And every time I've heard that, I thought, wow, 
That's something that we can use as believers. So we're going to call this the believer's paradox. And that is that we have the ability to face the facts, even though they could be difficult. Now, that's, that's something that's, that's challenging. I've heard people say, well, you Christians, you put your head in the sand. You don't, you don't deal with reality. I, I, I disagree with that. I, I feel like we're better equipped to deal with reality than anybody else because we know where this is going. And so we're willing to face the facts. We're willing to face the difficulties. I've been talking with pastors, and I talk about it's very challenging for pastors right now. And I was talking with the one just the other day, and he was saying, I don't know who's in the church. I don't know who's there. I, I don't know what's going on. We're looking, at, we're looking at folks saying, hey, listen, we're not coming back. <laughs> one, one, we made some phone calls. Anybody get a phone call from us? One of our staff members just call you and just to say, hey, hey, can we pray for you? And we had one guy, man, he was great. He said, oh, man, love the church, love the ark. He said, uh, they said, well, great, we're going to be coming back soon. He said, oh, no, I'm not coming back. He said, we bought a 75-inch television so I could watch Pastor Allen on, on Sunday. On Sunday. <laughs> now, I, I can tell you as a pastor, that does not bless me. I'm glad you've got a 75-inch television, which I suspect you'll be using for something else besides me, but just saying. Anyway, there's, there's an idea that we're, that we're facing the challenges of online, people not coming back, people, people saying, hey, when things go back to normal. So we have to be willing to face facts. That's one of the reasons we're still doing online. We'll continue to do online. Online's now a part of our future. Facing facts. But we have the belief that we're going to come through this. We have the belief. I, I have a belief this church will be full again. And uh, I have the belief that, that, that we'll be reaching more people than we've ever reached before. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a faith in God. And so face facts, but face them with faith. And when we face them with faith, it's different. So the diff there's a difference. Admiral James Stockdale, mentally extremely tough. He believed, he faced the facts, but he believed in himself and in the American military machine that would eventually get him out, that they would win. We, we put our confidence in God who can help us and can bring us through these things. Paul, when he wrote the church at, at uh, Corinthians, at Corinth, he said this, he said, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we believe that even though present circumstances. And listen, it's not just the pandemic. I tell people, people had problems before the pandemic hit. And it, it, the pandemic just, just took it and exacerbated it, made it more challenging. But the idea is this, listen, whatever you're facing right now, you have to be willing to face facts. But you have to be willing to face it with the belief that thanks be to God who gives us the victory, and then when the dust settles, we're going to still be standing. And that is that gives us the ability to look into the future and go, we're going to be okay. We've got a vision for the future, even though the present isn't exactly what we want it to be. When Joy and I started the ark 24 years ago, we had two couples that came with us, and both of them wonderful couples. And, man, we got together, and we would pray. We prayed about like a month on, on Saturday nights. We would get together and pray and had our families there. Man, we were praying. We were excited. But, you know, when we finally started the church, we started in a, in a Montessori center. It wasn't, it wasn't, it, well, we didn't, have, we didn't have live worship. 
We didn't have all the proper air conditioning, the seating. It was, it was challenging. And, and one of the couples just, just had a problem with it. It was just challenging. And it wasn't, you know, we didn't have the right nursery. And we didn't have children's church. When you start something, that's some of the most challenging times. And it, and it wasn't easy. And they had to be there a lot. And we didn't have the volunteer base. And so we really pulled on these two couples. And one couple just continued to look at the, at the present circumstances. And they couldn't, they, they did not, they couldn't handle it. And so they left. The other couple, still with us, it's Mark, it's Mark and Lisa Verrett. And uh, Mark's the one who's the architect behind this building, behind the, the new uh, addition that we're building right now. And I, I visited with Mark the other day, and he told me we were, we, were, we were walking away, and we were in the parking lot. He said, you know, he said, you know, I am still just as excited about the future of the ark as I was when we started 24 years ago. And here's the thing. Am I saying this other couple's bad? No, I'm not saying they're bad at all. But one couple had a vision that God was in this, and the other couple was not able to see it. One was able to stay and is still excited about the future. What you see for the future makes a difference in how you deal with the present and how you deal with life. So let me give you a, a story, one of my favorites from the Old Testament. It's a story that, that I have loved for years because I believe it just paints such a picture of what do you do when the present doesn't look good and the future doesn't look so good either. And it's the story of the nation of Israel. They've been delivered out of Egypt. Moses had led them out of 400 years of slavery. And now they're getting ready to come into the promised land. And as they get ready to come into the promised land, Moses sends in 12 men who are going to spy out what the land looks like, and then come back and give the people kind of an outline, hey, the land looks good, and, and, and probably just get the people fired up about God's been promising us this land. He says it flows with milk and honey. We're going in. And so they, they sent the 12 spies in, and when they came back, 10 of them had a, a report that wasn't good. Now, 10 would be the majority. For, the, for you number people, that's 83.3% of the people said, he said, we got a problem here, guys. This land that God has promised us, this land has got, has got a bunch of big people in it. And they got walled cities. And man, these are not, these are not friendly people either. They're just warlike people. And then they took it a little bit further. And then they said, and we're too weak and we're too small. So they brought back, now two of the guys, 17.7% said, this is, no, we can do this. This is going to be great. But how many of you know that oftentimes the majority gets the biggest press and the majority has the loudest voice? And unfortunately, this time the people believe the majority. Listen, let me, let me tell you something about the majority. I don't care who's yelling the loudest. You need to look for what God says, not what the majority says, because they're not always right. And so in the, in the middle of this, you... you the people listened to the ten. And you see what happened here. Numbers 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, but if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better? 
for us to return to Egypt. So they said to one another, let's select a leader and return to Egypt. Wow. On the edge of the promised land. Here they are getting ready to go in, and the majority said, can't, we can't do it. We're too weak. We're too small. We cannot do this. And the people obviously believed that negative. And they wept all night. And they cried. And then they didn't stop there. They didn't wipe their tears and go, okay, let's do this. They began to complain about leadership. And they complained about Moses and Aaron. You know, have you ever noticed when people go negative, they always look for someone to blame? And they begin to blame Moses and Aaron. And like it's their fault, even though it was Moses and Aaron that helped lead them out. And then they, they begin to blame God and even deny the goodness of God. The same God who got them out of slavery. The same God who brought them through the wilderness. The same God who had fed them and taken care of them. They denied his goodness. Because, man, when you go negative, it's easy to go real negative. And why has God brought us out here to die? Listen, if God wanted them to die, he had numerous opportunities to kill them before they ever got there. And he never did. And so then they said this, we're going we're to go back. We're going to go back? Back to what? Back to slavery? Wow, back to what's more comfortable? What a horrible vision. When the future doesn't look good, it's easy to go negative. But there were two guys, the 17.7%, who had a different vision of the future. Had a different vision about what was up ahead. Joshua and Caleb. Let's read their story. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land. These were the two. They tore their clothes. That was a Jewish thing when you're upset, you ripped your clothes. And they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they're our bread. Their, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. A whole different report. Now, listen, they did not deny that there were challenges there. They didn't deny that there were people in the land. So they didn't, they, but, here's the, but they didn't talk about them a lot. What they talked about was God's help. And they talked more about God helping them than they talked about the problem. That's big. Because they, they were very positive on God's ability to help them. He said, the Lord can help us. The Lord, the Lord can bring us into this land. In fact, when they talked about the problem, they kind of minimized it. They said, their protection, I don't care how big they are, their protection has departed from them, and God is with us. We don't have to be afraid of them. Man, that's a good report. He said, well, what happened? Did everybody rally and believe them? No, you read the rest of the chapter. Here's a spoiler alert. They, said, they picked up stones and said, we're going to kill y'all. They, like, they did not like them bringing a different report. And what happened was that that whole group, in fact, everyone over the age of 20, never went into God's plan for them. Never went into God's promised land for them. God had it for them. They never went in. But you know, Joshua and Caleb outlived everybody and went in. And it was years later, but they went in. It took them a while, but they got in, and they got in because they had a different vision, a different view of the future. Now, listen, this is a great story, but how does it apply to you? How does it apply to me? What's your vision? What's your vision of the future? When you, when you, look, when you look through this year 
and you go, I, I've had people going, I, I'm 2020, I'm just going to write off 2020. This has been a lousy year. It's been the worst year ever. We're just going to write it off. We're not done yet. We still got some year left. And the whole idea is, what, what are we going to do? Well, here's, here's the first one. If, our vision of the future is important. In Proverbs, it says this, Proverbs 29, 18, and, and the King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish. I don't want you guys perishing. I don't want you guys languishing. I don't want you guys sinking. I want you guys being strong. That means we can have a vision of the future. Here's the first one. We cannot, we have to face the facts that are facing us. Can't deny them. Have things been difficult? Mm -hmm. Have we had some challenges? Oh yeah. Are we about to enter the nastiest political election we have ever had in the history of the United States? Probably yes. Do we have all these? Can we, can we deny these things? No. We have to be willing to face the facts, but we can't stop there. You have to face the facts, but you have to be willing to look beyond them. You know, a, a number of years ago, I'm, I'm going to mention a company, and, and you're going to go, yeah, whatever happened to them. You might remember Blockbuster. Blockbuster, any of you spend hours standing in a Blockbuster line with, with renting DVDs that, that you could that you could take out. Blockbuster at the turn of, of the, when, when the 2000s came, it was one of the major companies in the United States. It had 9,000 stores. And man, I, I, I have spent numerous, more time than I want to admit, in Blockbuster having arguments with my family over which DVD we were gonna get for, for movie night. And then paying late fees. When you, remember, uh, late fees. So about, about the year 2000, a young man named Reed Hastings met with Blockbuster and, and suggested a partnership. Reed Hastings is the CEO and founder of Netflix. And when Blockbuster talked to Netflix, Reed Hastings says they laughed him out of the office. They laughed him out. They just thought, no, you know, you, we, we've got a hold of things. And when, when consumer preferences begin to change, Blockbuster never, they doubled down on their stores. They stayed with that model. They didn't look at the facts. And so they started selling popcorn and books and toys. You know where Blockbuster is today? Bankrupt. They're gone. Because they were unwilling to face, you know where Netflix is today? Huge. I won't even ask how many of you are Netflix members. But, but I am. And a, a lot of us are. I think, they, I think right now Netflix has over 50, about 55 million subscribers, and that might be a low number. Netflix saw the future. Blockbuster refused to face the facts. So what happens? We've got to look at the facts. You know, your facts may not look good. You may be looking at your children going, okay, we've got a problem here. But we need to face that. We've got a challenge. You look at your marriage and go, we've we, we got a problem here, but you need to face that. Hey, listen, that's why we're doing this online marriage conference. Here's an unabashed plug for the marriage conference. You don't have to look at anybody to go to this marriage conference. You don't have to walk in, and no one needs to know that you're having problems. You just smile and fake it and watch it from your home. But watch it because it can help you. That's the whole idea. We face the facts, but we face them with a vision that things are going to be better. Listen, facts with no vision is discouraging. If you look at the facts and go, man, we got problems. We don't know what to do. We got problems. We, we don't know what's going to happen. That's discouraging. 
If you have a vision, the future is wonderful, but you don't face the facts. What you've really got is a dream. So we're willing to face the facts. And then here's the, here's the key here. We're willing to believe, and we choose to believe on purpose to bring God in to our facts and to our future. So we bring him into the thing. So listen, God will not force himself on any of us. So we have to bring him in. And we have to believe that God is bigger and God can help us. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 6 says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the essence of faith right there. We believe God's real. We believe that he's ex he exists. And if you believe God's real, then you believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. If he created the heavens and the earth, then he's big enough to deal with our problem. In fact, he's bigger than any problem that we have. And he's not an abandoner. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we come after, we come after him. He'll, he will not turn his back on you. But one of the things we're going to have to do is, and, and this is the challenge, we have to talk God's help more than we talk the problem. Now that's challenging because it's just so easy to talk the problem. It's so easy to get caught up in it where you're just talking the problem all the time, the problem, the problem, the problem. At some point in time, we have to begin to say, hey, but God's going to help us. God's going to help us. Parents, let me give you a parenting tip. Don't expect your kids to get a big vision of God on their own or just because you bring them to children's church. We're going to be starting children's church soon. And when, and when we do, we're going to put everything we can to put faith and love and, and a big God into your kids. But don't let us be the only ones doing that. You do it too. And when they're little, it's easy to do that. God, I mean, you can, you can pray with them at night. You can tell them God's going to help them. When they're older, you still have to bring God into your problems. We've got, we got a challenge. We've got a problem. God's going to help us. God's bigger. And when you do that as a parent, I can't tell you the importance of the seeds you plant in them. But you begin to plant seeds that God's there and God is going to help us. So here's my question. What's your vision of the future? What, what do you see? When you, when you look out ahead, what do, what do you see for this year? What do you see for the rest of this year? What are you seeing down the road? What do you see? Now here, here's a way to tell if it's good or bad. If you're sad, if you're complaining, if you're crying, if you're planning on retreating, then it, it, let's just be honest. Your vision of the future is not good. But what if you're smiling? What if you're glad? What if you're rejoicing? First Samuel, I like this verse here. In First Samuel, it says, I smile. Hannah prayed, said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I like this. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. You guys who used to, to fight a lot know that if you throw your best shot at a guy and he smiles at you, you're in deep trouble. It, it's it's going to be a problem for you. Are you smiling at the future? Are you, are you looking at the future going, hey, we're going to make it. We're going to come through. Now, as I was putting this together, I'm, I'm going I'm to just, usually I have a story that ends this. I don't have a real good story that ends this, but I have some practical advice that ends this. Because I know sometimes people look at, at their situation and go, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to believe. I, I, I don't really have any, any faith at all for the future. So let me encourage you. I want, I want you to do two things. 
First one is, we've got a little bit less than four months left in this year. Make a commitment to read at least one chapter in your Bible 365 for the rest of the year. Say, well, I haven't done it the whole year. Start now. Listen, we've got a little bit less than four months. Let's don't let the year crush us. Let's crush the year. And what will happen is, as you read, you'll start to put faith in your heart. That's how it comes. Here's the second one. I want you to believe, and to believe one thing, that God will help you. I don't know what to do about my marriage, but God will help me. I don't know what to do about my children, but God will help me. I don't know about my, my career. It seems like my whole industry is going down the tubes, but God will help me. Joy and I were talking one time, and Joy was dealing with the problem. And I said, honey, I said, you're going to have to bring some faith to the table on this. And she looked at me. She said, Alan, she said, I don't know what to believe. I said, believe this, that God will help you. She said, I can do that. I can believe that God will help me. A number of years ago, I worked for my dad, and I'm not good with my hands. You've heard that. It's legendary. But um, I, I sold for him, and I was an installer for him. And he sent me to install these cornice boards in, in a nursing home. And it, they were, it was complicated, especially for me, and it had angles and stuff. And I, I couldn't get it done. I was so discouraged. I went back. I told my dad. I said, Dad, I said, I am so sorry, but I, I, I cannot do this job. I'm too weak, and my hands are too small, and I just can't do it. And I'll never forget my dad. I was expecting a little bit of a backlash. And my dad reached over, and he grabbed his his calendar, he said, I'll send Lee with you tomorrow. And I went, oh, glory to God. Because Lee was a master. He's like some of you guys. Some of you guys are amazing with your hands. And he said, Lee will be with you tomorrow. When I drove home that day, I, instead of being discouraged over the bad day, I, I had some hope. But tomorrow I was going to have some when I woke up the next day, I thought about going back to that job, and my first thought was dread. But then the thought hit me, but Lee's coming. And Lee can, Lee's amazing, and Lee can help me. And Lee did come, and he showed up, and we got the job done, and, and it looked wonderful. Guys, here's what I'm saying. If you will simply believe this, you may not say, have say, I, I don't have a vision for my family. I don't have a vision for my future. I don't, I don't have a vision. I, I don't have a vision. You can get a vision, but you got to start by believing something. And here's the thing you believe. God will help me. Whatever my situation is, God will help me. He can help me. He can help my family. He can help my kids. And then when that dread starts to drop on you and you start to wilt, you start, well, no. God's helping me, and we're going to come through. Your vision of the future. Man, I, 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 thought about, I thought about people dealing with so many different things. As your pastor, I want you to be able to come through it, but you're going to have to believe something different than what you're seeing. You're going to have to believe that God can help you, and he will. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 I can boldly say the Lord is my helper, and he'll help you. Well, that's so important. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? If you've never made that connection, that initial connection, where you've said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Here, we're going to ask you just not to stand up or come to the front, but simply to lift your hand. If you're at home or you're watching somewhere by yourself, this is for you.
We're going to say a prayer. If you're by yourself, you can pray it out loud. If you're here in the congregation with us, you can pray it out loud. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. Maybe you're around a lot of other people, but you can pray this quietly to yourself. I am going to ask the question, if that's you today. You say, Alan, I, I, don't, have, I don't know about my relationship with the Lord. I don't know where it is. I don't, I don't know if I have one. Or I had one at one point in time, and I've gotten away from it, and I want to come back. But I, I want to be a part of this prayer. Would you count me in? Just real quickly slip your hand up across the auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Yeah, got you. Got you. Great. Wonderful. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you, those of you at home, they got a little button you can click. But we're going to pray this prayer. Listen, you can jump in right in the middle of this. This is where it starts. This is where it begins. With a relationship with him. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Head still bowed and eyes closed. Let me, let me pray for you just for a moment. Heavenly Father, for those that just prayed that prayer, I thank you. For those that came out of darkness into your marvelous light and for those who have come back home. And Father, for those sitting there today feeling like the future is bleak, thank you for just hope, light arising in their hearts, that you will help them, you will not abandon them, and that there is a brighter day ahead. Father, thank you for that. We give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.